Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because... Like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, we've got a couple of we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah, uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete, um, gym owner, and all around nice guy. Um, yeah, and there's there's so much good information and good content there that, and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. Hey, everyone. If you just joined, we're just checking if we're live. If you if you have joined us, do say hello. Hello. <laughs> Not you, Dave. Oh, here we go. Yeah, we're in. Awesome. Right then, here we go. Uh, nice. Young Jackie Bally has joined us. Jackie Bally, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, great to see everyone on. And um, yeah, another another Tuesday tune-in. It's been a pretty mad week, isn't it, Dave? Yep. Very tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's been um it's been a busy one. And and over the last week we've, you know, with the uh, just after the competition a couple of weeks ago. Uh, obviously a lot of interest around Kilimanjaro we had a lot of questions and we thought well we may as well just do one live all about Kili although you know on all of our Tuesday yeah. tune-ins yeah it's they not- are um, <laughs> yes I know there's going to be questions that come out but anyway great to see people joining us Laura Rachel John Amanda Dave's oh great to see Dave Bongiorno uh Tony Paul Simon um yeah guys any questions do comment you know you know the you know the drill now um throw them in and me and Dave will yeah, we'll, we'll take on the questions. Did but, you just um, say Paul Simon's joined us? <laughs> no, Paul and Simon, but yeah, yeah Paul Simon, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's, was it? Uh, Bridge Over Top of Waters, right? That's the one, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mick Hamilton's joined. Mick, great to, hey, to see you on, Mick. Mate. I see you've been um, hiding in the mountains again, Mick. So, uh, yeah, I hope you're staying hydrated there, mate, in the Brecon Beacons. Didn't we have a second Mick Hamilton book with us now? We did. So, Sorry, Mick. There's another yeah. one. So he's um, this is Mick one though. We, um, the other Mick is Mick two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's plenty of mix, plenty of mix. Um, but yeah, guys. So Kilimanjaro, awesome trip. We've um, what was it back uh, the back end of 2019? We kind of launched the trip, um, you know, and we've had a couple of people who've won uh, free places on the trip. We've had a lot of people who shown an interest have now booked, um, you know, a trip with us. But there was a lot of questions, you know, around you know similar sort of questions like gear. Yeah. What's it like? You know, what experience do you like? All the things around that. Um, you know, things around flights, um, things around injections, your know, vaccinations, things like that. Yeah. So we're gonna try and take on some of those today. Um, but Dave, where should we start then around Killy? I know, uh, yeah, definitely keep posting some questions, guys, if you've got any. Yeah, we'll catch them up. Lauren's gonna be going through them anyway, and uh, yeah. I have them 
beamed into me from another screen that you guys can't see. That's the level of sophistication you're dealing with here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So we 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 summited Killy end of, end of Feb, February uh, the 29th, I believe. Yeah. Ironically, it was the it was the last ordinary thing I did um, <laughs> for yeah. lockdown. Um, so yeah, it was crazy. When I left, I could buy as much hand sanitizer as I needed to, and then when I came back, it was all gone. An entire country's <laughs> deposit of hand sanitizer upped and vanished. But um, no, it was amazing, yeah. Um, I don't really know where to start, to be honest with you, but I think um, it was definitely one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. One of the hardest things, at least summit night, that I've ever done. Um, yes. And yeah, it was amazing because you think that, you know, I've been to Everest Base Camp multiple times. I've trekked that altitude a lot. Yeah. Um, but Killy taught me some some new some new lessons. You know, it was crazy. Just it, it goes to show that you know you need a broad range of experience. And when I went to Kilimanjaro, I learned a lot, a lot about myself, a lot about um, you know how I do at altitude and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it, it was an an awesome experience. Nothing quite prepares you for summit night, though. <laughs> you no, know, no, it's, it's a different journey, especially if um, you like your sleep, because. Yeah. Uh, because definitely I, i'm one who definitely likes my sleep and yeah for only having an hour sleep you know because i've never worked nights nothing like that and i know dave you've, you've you've worked nights for a couple of years haven't you um in previous jobs and so you found it okay and you yeah, still it was, found it hard but okay yeah it was it, it all depends on whether you i suppose the difference is that once you've worked nights and you've um because i worked on the railway doing construction for a little while yeah so the railway i did lots of night shifts and stuff like that so many 12-hour nights you know start at seven and night finish at seven in the morning i did that yeah. hundreds of times so you just kind of used to it you know it doesn't necessarily make it easier but you, you're just used to it you know you recognize the feeling of i'm gonna fall asleep standing up and you know little tricks about how to keep yourself awake and stuff like that yeah. but yeah what i found about summit night was it was amazing that it was i've tracked in the dark before yeah, I've trekked at altitude before. I've trekked when I've been tired before, um, and I've trekked in bad weather before. But I've never done them all at the same time. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was interesting. Tomorrow, uh, you leave at eleven o'clock at night in the dead of night. It's freezing cold. Yeah, you're tired. You're heading up to nearly six thousand meters. But honestly, like the it was the. The only time I felt like, oh, wow, I had a proper adrenaline rush, you know, just as we were leaving yeah. the tent and setting off. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing it. <laughs> it was amazing, wasn't it? I know yeah. we were all like freezing our nuts off, but it was um, it was brilliant. But yeah, some questions coming through. I'll tell you what, I'll bring this one up first. Hayley, um, how long after walking on altitude can you fly? It's a good good question, actually, because, um, I mean, I've got a, a sort of background in scuba diving um, where this kind of thing can affect it. So if you, for instance, if you dive it, if you're scuba diving, you know, you need to lead it a certain amount of time. You need to leave it a certain amount of time before you can fly. But with altitude, there's there's no um, there's no rules like that um, because of the types of pressure you're dealing with. Um, it doesn't affect when you actually fly. Uh, so as far as we know, um, you know, and, and some people who've literally come down just after, um, you know, being at 5000 meters and next thing you know, the day after they're flying home sometimes, you know, it yeah. does happen. There, that's that's perfectly fine, Haley. So yeah, there's no issues with that, especially for Everest Base Camp because you're also coming down quite slow. Even if you had to come down to sea level, your body loves that yeah. because of the amount of oxygen. That you, you know, you're actually um, uh, the, the difference between say at Everest Base Camp, which is five thousand three hundred meters, um, and then when you come back down to Kathmandu, which is just over thirteen hundred meters, um, you know that's it feels you can literally taste the oxygen. So yeah, but um, regarding flying, there's no limitations on that. 
Also, Haley, that's a very cute dog. Did I speak to you the other day, Haley, as well? I think I remember speaking to you the other day, but I've spoken to so many people, I'm a bit mad. But I need to know that dog's name. That's so <laughs> can you please put that dog's name in. Name the, the dog, is it not name the Yeti this weekend? Uh, uh, no, I need to know his name, I need to know how old he is or she, yeah. and I need to know um if he's a good dog or a bad dog. Um <laughs> there are bad dogs. So is he a good boy? Yeah, um, great, stuff. great to see some people coming on though. You've got Diane, uh for Zach Lee, great to see you on here. John Adams, John Adams always on here. The great ball yeah. yeah, the great bold yeti. Yeah. So guys, if any of you have any if you're all fo any of you are follically challenged and you have any questions about how to keep your scalp in good condition whilst on a trip, um yeah. ask the great bald yeti. Yeah, he uh, he's a he's a fountain of knowledge, that boy. Yeah, his his everything <laughs> is wear a hat. <laughs> um look, I know obviously as always on these Tuesday tune-ins, you know, we do start off with a subject. But I don't want to leave these questions unanswered. So Mark Toyne, Mark, great to see you on, mate. <laughs> You've asked about flights to Nepal. Yeah. Uh, no, no, good question because, <clears throat> you know, at the moment due to COVID, um, you know, the obviously with the, the, the UK lockdown, um, you know, well, worldwide lockdown uh, regarding flights. But they are resuming on the 1st of August, I believe. Um, yeah. uh, all going well. You know, we, we're kind of planning for the best, but also planning for the worst. So, you know, whatever happens, we'll, you know, we're working to get everyone over in the autumn. But we, you know, we are in touch daily with Anuj, our operations manager over in Nepal, just to sort of yeah. find out the the lay of the land. As it stands, it's all good. But, um, you know, over the next few days, uh, with any any new information, we'll definitely be bringing that to the table. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in terms of flights, so Dave, isn't it? It's 1st of August? Yeah, 1st of August, yeah. So um, that's when the international flights are going to start flying into Nepal again. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to just introduce it slowly, so one a week, building yeah. up to the start of the season, hopefully in September. Um, yeah. We'll know more about what the actual like real-time scenario is from the 1st of August. So when they start yeah. doing flights, um, we'll know exactly what's happening and when's it happening. But yeah. yeah, 1st of August is what's happening at the moment. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll wait to see. I see, uh, you know, Haley called me uh, Andy on the call the other day and made that really? mistake. Really? Uh, well, you know, we, we do look similar. We've said it. Um, I think, don't worry, Haley. like hundreds of other Evertrackers have done exactly the same thing. Even yeah. if they met Dave, they still yeah. call you Andy, didn't they? All the time. It's just the way it is. <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt with like an arrow upwards and it says, not Andy. <laughs> we'll have to get one of those, Dave, definitely. Uh, yeah. Let's have a little look. Sorry, guys, we're just going through the questions. And Lauren, the social yeti, is also on the messenger. Well, uh, she's already. dropping them in. Um, so let's have a quick look. Um, yeah. Jennifer O'Keefe has a wee question about duffel bags. Do you get a bag when you arrive so you can take a wheelie bag on the flight? So it depends where you're going. If you're going, yeah. to, if you're going to, uh, to any of our Nepalese trips, um, you can take a normal wheelie suitcase. Um, and then when you get to um, the hotel, we'll give you a wheelie good duffel bag. Let's see what no? you've done there, Dave. Very Nothing. good. Okay. Um, yeah. So That's a dad joke there. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. In Nepal, we, yeah, we'll keep the duffel bag. Um, in Tanzania and, uh, and and the other destinations that we have, we haven't got the supplier lined up yet to produce the bags to the level of quality that we have in Nepal. Yeah. Um, so you can rent them in, in there for a few dollars a day. Um, but I'd recommend just getting your own and bringing your own if you go into Tanzania or Peru yeah. or Morocco or anything like that. Nepal, use the Evertrack bag. Yeah, you can. There are um, in, in, in Tanzania, the hotel... Uh, there's a massive store there, so you can use um, one of their bags if you want to. We are trying to get some made, but like Dave said, you know they're not um, the ones in Tanzania aren't up to the same standard. 
So I didn't just want to give you any bag. Um, you know, we want to make sure it's, it's similar to Nepal, to Nepal in the UK. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in, in the next sort of three months, um, you know, maybe by the time you arrive, there will be a bag there. We'll, we'll, we'll update everyone yeah. uh, who's going on the, on the trip just to say, look, uh, now we've got some bags for you. Uh, because we want to. It's um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's always nicer when you arrive and you've got a nice little Evertrek bag. You can just dump all your gear in. You yeah. leave your luggage at the hotel, ready, you know, nice and clean, ready for when you come back off the trip. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll keep you updated on that, Jennifer. But um, good question, mate. Um, what else have we got on here? Good to see Mark Van Rossum. I know I, I messaged you earlier, mate. Great to see you booking on for Annapurna Circuit. Uh, I'll look out for your booking later. Um, Paul Brigden, yeah. Paul Brigden, I noticed you you booked on this week, but yeah, is it harder than? I, I, I take it you meant EBC. Um, yeah. Where's RBC? I wonder where that is. I'm trying to think of a mountain beginning with R. EBC. Um, is it, yeah, we'll have to. Okay, suggestions for <laughs> RBC could be. But you know, I, I just glanced down at my keyboard and I was like, yeah, R is next to E. It's going to be EBC. <laughs> that's it. No, no, that's fine. It's a tricky one, I think, because um, it's not an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. So trying to find which one's harder sort of is, is a bit tricky. Nepal, you're trekking for, if you're doing EBC, it's an 11-day trip. If you're doing Kilimanjaro, it's eight days. So yeah. Everest Base Camp is certainly longer. Um, in terms of the up and down nature of the trip, they're pretty much the same. I would say that Kilimanjaro for seven out of the eight days is about the same or easier than EBC. Yeah, I agree. Um, but one of the eight days, summit day, is harder than any of the other days on every space camp trip. Yeah. Um, the closest you'll get to it is when you go up Kalapatar. Um, you're not far off in terms of altitude, but get up and down Kalapatar is like four and a half, five hours, you know. Um, Kilimanjaro from sort of the camp Barafu to the summit and back to Barafu is more like 12 hours. And then plus another five hours back down again. So summit day is harder than any other day on EBC. So in on Kili, it's all leading up to one day. When you go to base camp, it's kind of staggered. Yeah, staggered. Yeah. Some days are easier, some days are harder, and it's just you do. I can tell you which they are, but you know you'll have to find out for yourself, I guess. Yeah, no, Paul, uh, I believe Paul's I done it. Uh, yeah, he's done it. Yeah, so I think yeah, Kili's harder on yeah. one day. One, on day. one day. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant. I mean, afterwards, because even though you'd be exhausted after that one day, um, you know. It's a great feeling. I mean, you know, that, that that beer does become very attractive when you get down. And, you you know, you, you've summited Killy, you know, you've worked hard, and then you can just let your hair down. Yeah. I know um, I'm just going through some of these comments, and I see Diane has put down about the post-climb party, and absolutely. Yeah, we, um, you know, you've got to let your hair down after after doing the, doing the hard work. Um, so, yeah, no worries at all with the dancing and singing, Diane. Uh, I look forward to seeing some videos of that, definitely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Food menu. Let's have a look. Just going through here because someone mentioned snacks. Here we go. Dave, I know you're pretty good with the snacks. Um, energy snacks, different snacks. Yeah. So there's two schools of thought on the subject. So yeah. one is you'll see a lot of people going on summit night and they'll bring like high energy food, protein bars and all that sort of stuff. I'm sort of, I, I find that stuff terrible so i think tasting i'd rather take something that's going to sort of boost the morale something i'll really look forward to yeah, so yeah. when it comes to something night on killy i'll bring sort of i don't know like haribos few snickers no mars bars i brought a few mars bars which they were frozen solid by the time i got at the top it was like they're right the freezer um so yeah stuff like that to be honest with you and and keeping the energy up you know i'll put like 
some of those like energy um, dissolvable energy stuff in a water bottle. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, it's just about it's just about food and energy and calories. There's no mat, no one thing you can take. So everyone does things a little differently. Um, personally, I think you know when you're on a really you know it's a tough summit bid. You're tired. You know you, you're working hard, and then you pull out this disgusting protein bar that you've got to. Go <laughs> you know it's not great. You pull out a Mars bar, you eat it, boost of energy, you feel much better. So yeah, yeah to be honest, all the normal snacks that you can get is the stuff that I use. Um, I actually got taught that by a Marine. So um, Steve from Aim Higher in North Wales, yeah. we were like, climbing Snowden doing some training with him. And he was telling us, like, um, I said, you know, what do you bring when you go on a trip and stuff? And he's like, anything. He's like, if I enjoy yeah. it, I'll bring it. If I don't, I won't. You know, I like that. I like that a lot. So ever since I've done it, he's the one that taught me about hot squash. So put hot squash. Yeah, in great. Because yeah, yeah. um, when it's nice, it's just like a hot, sweet drink. Uh, when it's cold, it's squash. So, um, <laughs> to benefit, yeah, it works. Uh, no, no, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I think Dave smack on, uh, bang on there, smack on, bang on. Um, you know, in terms of getting stuff that boosts the morale, I mean, I always, I'm the same, I kind of recommend taking stuff that definitely picks you up. The, the treats, so take even if it's just one thing along, if it's Everest Base Camp, Killy, Machu Picchu, one thing that'll just give you a pick me up, whatever that may be. If even if you're taking some beef jerky or you know, a big treat. Take that with you. You you can buy it up there, but it does get quite expensive. Yeah. Um, sorry, an Everest base camp. Achilles, you need to you need to get everything down. Um, you know, if you want to take your own stuff, um, you need to get it down in uh, Moshi before you actually start the trip. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some good questions. It's great to see so many people on here. And um, Haley, Mark, um, Aid, uh, Brian. I know uh, Brian's booked on for Killy now. He just got part. Uh, was it him, Jack? I think a few of the other guys. Who was stuck in Nepal in March due to lockdown? Um, yeah, they've joined. They're going to come back to Killy with us. So yeah, guys, looking forward to having you with us again. Uh, I know, Paul uh, asked, uh, Dave, yeah. is there a secret to stop getting a sweaty back with your backpack? Uh, yeah. No. Good question. No, I'm never buying it. If you think it out, you can have to tell me, Paul. Um, no, part and parcel of the way it goes. You know, um, a lot of these backpacks now they have like a, a like a mesh that sits against your back. Yeah. And then a gap for the airflow and stuff like that. Um, but if you're hiking, uh, you're going to get hot. And if you get hot and anything's pushing against your skin, um, you're going to sweat. So the bad thing I do is get a good base layer. And then at least what will happen is when you take the pack off, it'll dry within a few minutes. So, um, yeah, good base layer is the, is the only way that I find to sort of mitigate it. But, yeah, no, there is nothing you can do. Yeah, that's it. It's um, especially like like Dave. You said you run hot, didn't you? You, you, know, you sweat. You just gotta start walking. You sweat. Whereas, um, yeah, there, there are some out there that do have these wonderful mesh, you know, backs. Some of them are better than others, um, depending on the material. But most of the time, you still have a little bit of sweat, even if there's a layer of air between you and the actual, um, you know, day pack. So yeah, the Osprey Talon's pretty good. Um, Again, it's like like Dave said, it's, it's it's gonna happen, I'm afraid. I think the best way to do it is if you do have you know layers, uh, make sure they're wicking. So for instance, if you've got a base layer and you're sweating, yeah, um, you know, you want to make sure that it's one that sort of wicks away the sweat. Whereas if you're wearing cotton uh, yeah. or some form of material like that, it's just gonna get if when you cool down, that, that water is gonna be there, it's gonna make you cold. Yeah. So definitely make sure you're wearing the right base layer or if it's a t-shirt, make sure it's not cotton. Um, I say that I've I've done that. I've worn a cotton shirt, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, we've all been there. Uh, <laughs> a few comments. So John Adams has reminded me about snacks. He's a great bald yeti. Yes. When me and John were walking around Namshi, just looking for snacks, 
uh, we found uh, a packet that was called hygienic dry meat. Wow. Um, I think it was jerky, but cuttlefish coated peas. <laughs> and um, I'll be honest, John Worstay, he didn't get them. I couldn't have them, of course. I had to work. But um, John Worstay. Yeah. And also James Wright has said, Dave, uh, am, am I wearing eyeliner? No, do I look like I'm wearing eyeliner? Uh, well, I thought it was just normal. Yeah, I'm just, to be honest, James, I'm just falling back into my new romantic stage, you know, so that's... <laughs> uh, Dave, I think you need to get more sleep. <laughs> no, no, I'm really kidding. Um, yeah, no, some great comments on here, guys. Uh, let's have a look. Typical food menu, ECB, Mark. Um, again, I know we're, we're here to talk about Killy, but any questions here, guys? Because if it's a question, he's answering. Um, yeah, typical food menu. So it's, it's kind of an open menu on Everest Base Camp. Um, is in you can choose what you'd like to have. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, there's some Western meals on there. Um, so you can even have pizza. There's some pasta, potatoes, chips. Um, but there's obviously the local stuff, you know, because you've got lentils, um, dalbat, which is like um, all the Nepalese and the Sherpa and the guides eat that uh, with rice. And the best thing about having the local stuff is that it's almost unlimited. Yeah. You know, especially with dalbat, you can have a plate full of it. And yeah. if you're still hungry, you can have more. Um, you know, with the Western dishes, they come, say it was like a pizza, for instance. Yeah. You know, bear in mind where you are. They're not, you know, it's not Domino's, it's not Pizza Hut. You know, you're in the mountains. It's it's basic and the cheese is never great. I think we've only ever had one decent pizza up there, I think, Dave. I can't um, I can't even think about the cheese. <laughs> cheese. I love cheese, right? But um I can't handle it. Also, ECB. I am loving it, guys. Whenever you have a question about EBC, the challenge now is to misspell it as many ways as you can. And again, John, when um, when me and John went with the first time, I was yeah. telling him about Dalbat, and John loves Dalbat. And he was like, I'm going to have Dalbat every meal. I'm going to have breakfast, and then Dalbat for lunch, and Dalbat for the evening meal. And I was like, for 11 days. And he's like, yep. Yeah. And I was like, 22 Dalbats is what he's going to have. That's a, that's a lot of rice and a lot of dal, but you know what? I bet... I bet he uh, he was he was he didn't well. I, he failed, but he did make it into like the teens. I think he had about thirteen dalbats or yeah, something. He, like that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. Then he then he, then he, then he he went and had pasta on the one day where we went into a restaurant we don't normally use on the trail, Tios, and we yeah. had the best dalbat I've ever had. Fresh vegetables. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. They picked homemade, it from the that day, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, homemade chutney and everything. And John was sat there with um, spaghetti or something. So. Yeah. Um, what else we got? We got Diane. Diane's has a good question, actually. Um, how soon before EBC? Yeah, she got it right. Uh, before I, I should be getting vaccines. So yeah, um, sooner the, you know, look at your date. I'd say sort of six months in, if you're going to get like your boosters, you know, your tetanus, your polio, your typhoid, you know, those ones that you get. I think it's every ten years. Um, double check with you know your GP or even visit a, a travel clinic, uh, Diane. But I know if you go into say Killy. Um, you know, obviously you've got malaria, you've got uh, malaria tablets, which you need. Um, and anywhere you go in terms of the rabies jabs and the rabies jabs, you need to have, I think it's three over a, a spread out over a certain amount of time. So you need to leave it a little bit. I think, Dave, you, you've had the rabies jabs. What's the what's the, the, the gaps? Um, so I think you have one. Then you have another one a week later. Yeah. And then another one two or three weeks after that. After that. So yeah. it takes about a month. Uh, just over a month, maybe all in all, to get a full vaccination of rabies. Um, so well, I've you're done, you're done, right? You don't. Yeah, but you you have to have the first one. The yeah. second one you have to you have to have within two weeks of the first, and then the third one you can have whenever. So I had the first two, then I didn't have time to get the third one, and I got it like three years later. 
no, two years yeah. later, I went back and had the third jab. And um, that was fine. Yeah, so I, I, it's one of those things, rabies, they say, you know, it's we can't advise you to get it or not get it. Um, it is classed as a maybe, um, you know, so it yeah. all depends on your comfort level. And like I said last week, I think that if I see a dog, I'm petting it, you know, uh, yeah, any yeah, animal. Yeah. I try and catch a monkey if I see it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to, I I get it. I get fully covered. What are the, what Jerome has asked here about um, yes. UVA and UVB, what sunglasses, snow goggles do the Yetis recommend? So I use um, Jilbo's. Yeah, someone else asked about that as well. But yeah, Jerome, good question, mate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so Jilbo's are used. To be honest, they're pretty much the they've sort of cornered the market when it comes to sort of high altitude glacier yeah. uh, quality sunglasses. They offer a range of different lenses and stuff like that, um, depending on where you're going. So um, yeah, I've got a good pair. I think they're called the Spectron Four lenses or something like That's that. Right, yeah. they're, they're, they're quite expensive for some. Well, I say quite expensive. They're about the same price as a set of Oakleys. You know, um, but they're but they're really really good, um, yeah. and they'll look after your eyes because I'm quite. I got yeah, lots yeah. of like eye sensitivity issues at the um, you know, so whenever I go anywhere and it's bright, I have to wear sunglasses anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the Jilbo's are the ones that I use when I come when it comes to trekking high altitude. Yeah, I use. I mean, I mean, these are these are Oakleys. I, I use them when I was skiing. Um, you know, they're pretty good in, when it comes to bright conditions um you know because these are prism lenses um so normally they're on ski goggles but they've built them into shades now um you know if you're looking at uh if you if you just google the Oakley prism um yeah they are very are you up there have you dave uh no these aren't the jublos but they're prism glasses so the prism, prism set of oakley's but um someone's nice. asked me i heard it's pretty painful though dave that could mean anything what were we just talking about was it the rabies jabs? Rabies, yeah, I reckon it's the rabies. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> the, also, uh, the difference between the actual jab in the arm is negligible. They all hurt. Uh, I found that um, the was it typhoid was the worst one for me. Really? Typhoid and tetanus. So one of them, I think it was the typhoid one. That, man, I had a dead arm for about three days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I they are a bit painful. It's not. It's not the end of the world. It depends how bad you are with needles. Yeah, I mean, short-term pain. You know, means that, like for instance, with rabies, you know, it, it, it's worse. <laughs> if you, you know, it's better than the alternative. Uh, if something does happen to you, you know, saying that I haven't actually got my rabies done yet. John has so, just said some basic Oakleys did the job for me. Good sunnies, <laughs> about sixty to seventy quid for me. Hang on a minute. Two things there. I think I gave him the Oakleys <laughs> and calling a present. Basic is quite insulting, I think. <laughs> um, let's have a look. David, he's talked about uh, doing a safari after Killy, a realistic thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Loads of people do it. Um, we've built, I mean, our, the actual Killy trip is relatively short. So the whole trip as such is 11 days. So, yeah, if you want to incorporate some safari uh, after your trip, um, we, we are working. I mean, we've got some packages already. Um, we're trying to, um, because it's been a busy couple of weeks, but we're trying to get it on the website. So you can literally just click, add it, and it adds to your balance, and you can you can book that trip. Um, at the moment, we're having to do it manually. Um, so if you'd want to do a safari after your trip, um, just reach out to us, you know, ping us a message, um, and we can just get it added on. Uh, you know, we'll obviously send you the, the, the breakdown, the itinerary, yeah. the costs, um, and we can just add it on uh, to your trip. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we've done some safari. I, I, I went there first time 2008 to the Serengeti, and it was fantastic um, in Tanzania. 
highly recommend it. If you're over there and you've got some spare time, um, even if it's for, say, three days, um, do it. Um, you won't regret it. It's absolutely an amazing, special place. So, yeah, um, you know, we realize that although we, we're here for the trekking side of things, um, the team we have over in Tanzania, you know, they're, they're also just as good in the safari side of it. So, yeah, um, yeah it makes, makes complete sense. And, you know, there's certain times of year as well. Like, for instance, um, obviously it's Southern Hemisphere, so it's a little bit different to the UK, but dry season, uh, I believe, is June to October. And dry season is normally the best for safari. It is it is slightly busier because, you, as you can imagine, it's summer months in Europe. Yeah. So, you know, people are off school. You can get away. So it is slightly busier. But those are the best months for safari, um, generally June to October, um, just because the grass is down. So you can see more of the, you know, more of the animals. Um, whereas if you go sort of during rain season, the grass can be high. You might not see as much. Yeah. So it's something to think about if you're thinking about um, if safari is a big thing for you um, and looking at dates. Yeah. Um, Patrick Last has just said uh, yellow fever. So yeah. as far as I'm aware, when you go, well, say as far as I'm aware, I was advised this last uh, Thursday when I went for some blood tests and I spoke to a travel nurse. And I've been advised it on several other occasions by travel experts in the medical field who have said you don't need the yellow fever vaccination no. if you're traveling from the UK to Tanzania and you're yeah. not transiting through another African country. Or a place yeah. where it's prevalent. Uh, where so, it's prevalent, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, if you're traveling, um, you know, say you were traveling and you went to Kenya first, and then you flew to Tanzania, you, you'd probably need to get the vaccine. Um, but if you're traveling from the UK via, say, I, I flew via Doha in Qatar, and then to think you don't, you don't need the uh, the the yellow fever vaccine. Yeah, yeah, very good. What you can have um, for most travel nurses and most travel com uh, travel companies like Nomad will provide you with a letter. Um, if you you know want some comfort, you'll have a letter that says that you're exempt from it. Um, so yeah, I have I've never had that one. Yeah, definitely. It's just one. I've, I've actually had yellow fever years ago, back when I first went in 2008. You needed to have it then to go into Tanzania, but yeah, yeah. that's changed now. Um, you know, you don't need it anymore. If you did, it lasts for 10 years and you get a certificate. But, yeah, you, you don't need it, um, like like they've said, unless you're transiting or coming from a country where it's already an issue. Yeah. So from the UK, um, you know, US, uh, Australia, New Zealand, you know, you're, you're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, some good. Let's have a look. What's Chris Tom? Chris, great to see you on the live. Um, how much cash should you take for the trek itself per person? Obviously for EBC. Um, yeah, with regards to cash, I mean, you could draw some out in Kathmandu. Plenty of ATMs there. If you take cash with you, um, specifically to change into your know, local currency, um, you know, uh, one, two hundred pounds, it depends. You you don't have to take much because all of your food is covered, you know, all of the water, you know, your tea, your coffee, everything like that. But, you know, if you want a beer or you want to buy some souvenirs, you, know, you want to take some spending money. You know, it's nice to, um, you know, as you're going through just to, you know, if, if you want a can of Coke or something like that, just something else. Uh, you've got some cash there just to get it um you know so yeah one 200 pounds and then you're looking at tips as well so we normally recommend anything between 70 to 100 pounds for tips in nepal um you know they're not compulsory but they're kind of we like to say culturally expected in nepal because it does you know it is part of their earnings as well um you know so yeah it is you know if you're giving 70 to 100 pounds that's a good amount and what people tend to do is then chris um you know and obviously everyone else is watching uh, the group kind of pulls the money and then, you know, you can kind of divvy it out then to, to all the, the guides, assistant guides, porters, etc. Yeah. So um, 
I just noticed Mark Skinner says, yeah. will I need to use deep repellent in the autumn trekking season as opposed to spring? Um, depends oh, what yeah, you question. If you're talking about Kilimanjaro um, and Tanzania, so you definitely need some. Um, you can buy it there. To be honest, it, it doesn't agree with me. Like I, I had it on my hands before and then I touched my lip and my lips swelled up and I had like a burn on my lip. Um, the yeah, better, exactly. yeah, more importantly than ins insect repellent is the malaria pills. And um, yeah. once you start taking them, you should take them for the whole time because what tends to happen is people might take them, then not take them when they're climbing the mountain because there's an assumption that there are no mosquitoes there. Well, there are mosquitoes there. Um, you know, there are mosquitoes as high as sort of Shira 2. Um, you know, I, I didn't quite believe it until I went there, but yes, 100% there are mosquitoes there. Um, and also, yeah, it, it just, it, you should just take it all the time. So, but yeah, you can get that deep repellent there. It's no problem at all. Yes. I use the DEET, um, you know, because mozzie seems to love my, my, my blood. So yeah, um, <laughs> it's always a bit of a pain, but after, after a couple of days, you, know, you don't notice it, but, but yeah, it massively get your malaria sorted, your malaria tablets, um, Mark. And yeah, with, with regards to Nepal, you, you don't need it. Uh, you know, it's not, there's no issues when you the mozzies don't like altitude. Yeah. Um, you know, but the first couple of days you're on, uh, or the first day actually on when you're climbing Killy, you do hike through the jungle. There's a lot of bugs and mosquitoes there. So it's always good just to take a little bit with you just for the first day. Once, once you get higher, there's, there's, there's nothing really uh, that we saw. Um, you know, there might be subtle differences, you know, if it's really damp conditions, but they don't like altitude. Um, Jennifer O'Keefe said a good question as well. So they're coming from Scotland, but in terms of best UK airport to fly from to get to Killy, I mean, there's loads. We've had customers from um, um, Inverness who've flown from Inverness um, near Edinburgh as well. They've flown over to another airport. Um, some have even made their way down to London. We flew from Heathrow and Gatwick. Um, but anywhere in the UK, any big airport, you've got Manchester, I even believe Newcastle, uh, Belfast if you're in Northern Ireland. Yeah. yeah, if you're in Scotland, there's always... You know, if you put a, a little search in um, Skyscanner or momondo.co.uk, it'll come up with some you know different ways of, of traveling there. Um, there's no direct flights to Killy, so you do have to stop off somewhere anyway, um, you know, to change. So, yeah, um, you know, loads of UK airports there, Jennifer. Um, you know, from Scotland. Yeah, don't worry. There's, there's plenty. Uh, we've got plenty of Evertrackers who are from Scotland. They've traveled from, from like Inverness, things like that. Nice. I'm just making a note of Asher's comment. Uh, okay. Incognito repellent for the face. Oh, there we go. Cheers, Asha. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, what else is coming through here? There's some good questions actually. Um, Someone mentioned um, Jerome. I'll just I'll just answer this one quickly uh, because I know we talked about earlier. But Jerome, you mentioned about yellow fever last ten years. Yes, it does. That's why I was told um, of when I had my yellow fever uh, injections. Um, but I, I not if, I don't know if that's changed. But that's why that's why I was told anyway. Um, again, anything like this, um, obviously, this is just through experience, but anything around injections, things like that. You know, if you want to chat to someone like a travel clinic or your GP, um, you know, for official advice. Um, yeah, definitely do that. And don't forget, you know, if you if you if you come through us and you go through Nomad, um, you know, you do get the the free consultation um, as part of um, Evertrek. Um, so if you do want to book a consultation, you do get some. Um, uh, was it 10 percent off the injections? Yeah, I, I think it's ten percent off the injections. Then if you yeah. and have them, um, you know, so just a little something really. If you if you do mention Evertrek when you're doing that, yeah. Um, let's have a little look. 
So oh, I did someone ask. Uh, so I think it was Sarah Jackson. Uh, in our opinion, yeah. when's the best time to actually climb Kilimanjaro? Oh, good question. Yeah. So to be honest, Kili's really good because there's a lot of options to climb Kili. Mm. It's pretty much we don't recommend it in sort of April, May time. Um, so we don't offer a lot of trips during that though, that time of year, um, largely because of the rain. You know, so uh, yeah. when when you when you get to the top of Kili, the, the last thing you want to do is, you know, experience really bad weather and not have to see the view and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and also November. Um, so November again is a time where we don't tend to run trips because um, the weather's not all that great um, for yeah. it. But, yeah, January, February, into mid March, um, and then sort of June, sort of mid June up until October, um, and then you can do December to February. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit more sort of stop and start, stop and start than it is on Everest, which has just two distinct seasons, six months a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that would be the best time. Yeah, nice, Dave. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because technically you can climb Killy all year round, but it's just about having the best yeah. views and the best best time as well, your best experience. Um, you know, it does get busier, as, as I mentioned earlier, with gun safari stuff. It does get busier from June to October just because of the time of year, but it is the best. Um, it is, does get a little bit colder, but it's dry season. So, yeah, you don't get as much rain. Yeah. Um, so it is pretty good. Uh, let's have a look. We've got some good ones actually coming from, where was it? Alice, Alice Dixon, you mentioned, um, do we include flights or do we book them separately? Yeah, so with with our trips, um, on any of our trips, we don't sort your international flights. Um, there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, the, the main reason was in the beginning was always cost, just because it's normally cheaper for, for yourself to go and just book them separately. Because we pick you up from when you land to, and then we drop you off when you leave, it's just the international flight you have to sort. And I think the other big thing for us has been flexibility. Um, I think it's been apparent that with COVID-19 uh, in March, you know, that one of the big pain in the backsides has been reorganizing international flights for everyone. Um, you know, and you imagine if you had that with us, that the flexibility we offer would be different uh, because you can move your trip with us anytime. Um, you know, there's no cost to moving your trip um, because for us, it's very easy to move your date. Um, you know, it's a 10 second job for us, um, you know, as long as you give us a little bit of time. But if you included flights, that would be a whole different process. Yeah. So yeah, we although we were looking to possibly include international flights as an option, we kind of almost decided against it due to the the last sort of five or six months. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to stick to what we're good at. I mean, the trekking side is what we're is what we're known for. It's what we're what we're good at. So you know, we have, we'll we'll certainly help you point in the right direction. You know, you've got hun hundreds of our ever trekkers who've who've come on trips with us, and yeah, just sorting your international flight. I know it thinks oh, yeah, I wish it was all in. But, um, you know, just having that flexibility at the moment seems to be really valuable. Yeah. So I'm kind of happy that we don't uh, do the flights right now. But, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely help you if you if you book on the trip. Yeah. Also, um, uh, we haven't really talked much about kit, Anne, so I'm going to just uh, – <laughs> So uh, Tony, sorry, Tony Mankey has asked, uh, what's some good sweat-wicking pants? Um, okay. So, yeah, now there's a couple of different options here. So you can get Icebreaker, um, Anatomica boxer shorts. And you yeah. can get the smart wool boxer shorts, um, the merino wool base. So any merino wool based um, underpants is going to be brilliant. Yeah, they're not cheap though; they're about thirty quid a pair. But you can get them often in a sale or anything. But if you just buy a set of icebreakers, for instance, you're going to be paying about thirty quid. What I've done is that uh, just like 
when I've got a trip coming up or something like that, I, I did this uh, ages ago. So I'll buy a pair next month, I'll buy a pair next month, I'll buy a pair. So I've got about nine pairs now. So I've got a, a, an incredibly expensive underpant collection, <laughs> but it does make a, it, they are brilliant. The one thing you want to avoid is any like cotton boxes and stuff like just normal boxer shorts are terrible because they'll get wet with sweat and they'll stay wet for the entire time. Um, I know Adidas do some good stuff as well and Under Armour. Um, they do some good stuff as well. Um, personally, I always stick to the Merino wool because they just I, they last so well. Um, yeah. And at the end of the, the trip, um, you know, they're in much better condition. You know, I wouldn't say clean, but they're nowhere near as toxic as, an, as, a, as some of the other pairs that I've had, you know. So, um, yeah, check out the Smart Wool and the Merino Wool. Nice. Now, I might have to get a couple of pairs myself, Dave. Um, <laughs> too much. Yeah, Mark's like too much detail, Dave. Too much detail, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, some good questions here. Um, let's have a look. Jackie. Jackie's asked a good question, actually, just in terms of the trips we run um you know we met by by us uh, on the trek or those local guides yeah so we don't have any any western leaders on our trips they're all local guides um, we're very passionate about um using local support rather than international guides um some trips we do go on just because we you know uh, we can um but we like to sort of go on whether it be you know, we're doing some filming things like that but generally yeah because of all the trips we run i mean we run over 70 trips a year to Everest base camp via different routes uh, you've got Gokio Valley, you've got Three Peaks, Three Passes, the classic route. And then you've got uh, more or less, we're, we're going to be doing roughly about half that to Killy. So, yeah, as much as we'd love to be on them all, it's, you know, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the, in the office all the time. So, yeah, because we run the, run the, the company from the UK. Um, you know, but look, the, the guides we use are, are the ones we've specifically chosen to be Evertrek guides, you know, which are, we like to think are, you know, some of the best out there. I mean, just, just for example, on Killy, for instance, we had a guide um, back in February. Um, I think James, who's watching now, um, was on that trek and we had a guy called Yessi and he had climbed Killy over 400 times. You know, he's actually done it in nine hours because he's, you know, he, he's so fit, isn't he? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that just tells you the level of experience we're, we're looking at when it comes to the guides. And it's similar in Nepal, um, South America, Morocco. You know, we don't like using new guides. We like to bring people up, you know. So what we try to do is we have the guides, which are head guides. And then we have assistant guides and then we get some of the porters um, and some of the porters actually want to become assistant guides and eventually guides. And most of them come from porters. So we like to almost educate them, um, you know, teach them better English, you know, get them to that level. So we're always working with our suppliers by doing that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, Jackie, but, you know, if you want to catch up with us, definitely come on one of our training weekends uh, in the UK, because then we, we, we do run those, um, you know, gives us gives sort of customers a time just to engage with us and yeah. maybe if you've got any questions, things like that, or any of the travel shows. Um, yeah, because obviously it's, we'd love to meet meet you all. Um, yeah. Might be some new things coming soon, which might mean um, we might even meet before the end of the year, but we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, good question anyway. Leah has asked, do we have any female yetis for secret women business questions? Um, yes, we do. Email Lauren, lauren at evertrek.co.uk. <laughs> and so Lauren will answer all your um, secret women questions for you. No problem at all. Another thing as well, Leah, if you um, if you jump into the High Altitude Evertrekker group, there's a lot of Evertrekker women who have been on trips with us, um, people who are going, who, if you put a little post up there, I'm sure that they'll drop you maybe a direct message if there's any specific questions that you have, um, you know, because we get a lot of uh, ever trackers who, who have been with us and yeah um you know definitely uh, drop those questions in 
uh, into the into the group. Um, Caroline as well. Uh, do we take up the celiac? Yeah, we we have picked up the weeds today actually. You know, someone who a celiac's more active around mid July because. You had a question today. I think I answered two questions about this yesterday. Amazing. <laughs> no, it's a, good, it's a good question, you know, because, um, yeah, on, on all of our trips, I mean, we operate them in remote regions, so you'd think it'd be challenging. But as long as we know something like this beforehand, we can brief the guides, the cooks, you know, everything that happens. So it's, you know, it almost there's no danger of contamination because we've had lots of customers with, um, you know, uh, symptoms like this, symptoms, <laughs> conditions like, like celiac disease, things like that. Um, you know, some people who are uh, gluten intolerant, which I believe Diane's going to. Yeah, here we go. And you see message there. Yeah, yeah. Diane, um, we message about gluten intolerant and a vegan. So, yeah, we're quite accommodating like that. As long as we know beforehand, we can speak to our staff in Nepal, um, you know, Tanzania, Peru, Morocco, wherever we're, we're, we're operating the trip. And then we can organize that for you, um, you know, because we don't want to put obstacles and say, nope, celiac's not allowed. You know, we don't, we're, we're never going to be like that. Um, there's always something we can do. Okay. I hope that answers your question, uh, Caroline. Diane is also sort of our resident vegan expert. She's so active Thank on you. the High Altitude Everdragers group. And if any of you guys want to know about vegan equipment, like boots and jackets, all that sort of stuff, um, yeah. post it on there. And pretty much Diane will answer all the questions for you because she's done a lot of research in that. Um, yeah. yeah, she's almost as bad as me when it comes to kit, but specifically vegan kit for, for Diane. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, I put that there, Sinead. Because I know um, Sinead's coming back with us on another trip to um, on a, a, another new route to Everest. So, yeah, she's quite excited. But, yeah, she's mentioned she did EBC with us. Um, she was a great Evertrekker, and she um, obviously has got some intolerances. So maybe drop um, Sinead, if it's okay with you, in, in the group, maybe post in there. And uh, Sinead will, will let you know how she kind of managed or dealt with that. Um, so I hope that, hope that helps. Yeah. Also, um, Caroline Williams has asked um, yes. how uh, – how much of the flights roughly um, where do you fly from or to? So if you're talking about Kilimanjaro, yep. the flights uh, are around four to 700, depending on when you book them. We always advise book them as soon as you can. So generally the flights are up for sale about a, a year in advance. Um, if you get them straight away, then you'll get the best deal. Um, and you can get them around 400 quid about a year in advance, 700 if you leave it about six months or so before you go um fly where from so that really depends i know i've flown from cardiff you can fly from the london airports and i think you can fly from birmingham and manchester um so it really depends which airline you go with so i do most of my flying with qatar airways so you'll always go via the the, the sort of national country of the airline so if you're going with qatar you'll go to doha um and then you know you can either go then to dubai or uae or something like that and then yeah. on to um africa G generally speaking it's going to be like a middle eastern uh, uh, country yeah. so yeah it's about seven hours seven and a half hours to doha then about six and a half hours then um to kilimanjaro airport which code is jro so yeah you need to go to kilimanjaro airport jro um and our team will be there to pick you up nice um scott's had a good question as well around um obviously looking to book in with us and go in January. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, we, we've done Killy in, in February, but January is very, very similar. It's Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, it can be a little bit of rain on the lower slopes, but generally it's fantastic. Um, yeah, you mentioned you're an asthmatic. I don't know if you caught up with the last live we did. 
which is all around Asper actually at high altitude because um, I, I suffer it myself and have done all my life. Um, yeah, it's certainly one of those things. As long as you can manage it, as long as you can, you've got your medication with you. Um, you know, there's no reason why you can't um, you know operate at high altitude. People have climbed Everest with it uh, with asthma, so it's certainly um, don't see it as a disadvantage. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that generally people perform quite well with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, for some reason, but yeah, it's. Uh, you know, like I said, as long as you manage it and get it uh, get it sorted. I mean, you know, the more fitness you do put into it, it does help. But it's just enjoying yourself when you're out there. Um, you know, it's not fast. It's really slow going. Sometimes you feel like it's going too slow, but, you know, it's for a reason. So you can acclimatize. So, you know, I remember when I was out there, even on summit night, you know, my heart rate didn't really go above 120 because we're moving so slow. So your body's not working hard then to fight, you know, to give you more oxygen. Uh, because you're going so slow so yeah scott um you know we'd love to have you with us mate so yeah definitely get yourself um get yourself booked in also um i just noticed here who asked about vaccinations someone's asked about vaccinations we've covered it a lot but i've just remembered that um for kilimanjaro we have got a, a top 10 ask questions so i think if lauren can post that um link on here using magic um it'll appear um, basically one of those top 10 <laughs> One of those top tens is um, is all about vaccinations and stuff that you need for Kilimanjaro. To be honest, um, it's it's anywhere really like that. So the, the, it's exactly the same for yeah. Nepal, except for the malaria. So if you go to Nepal, everything's the same. You just don't need the malaria pills. If you go to Africa, it's all going to be there. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll do it any minute now. I'll try and... <laughs> I can see it appearing. <laughs> the magic to appear. Um, Olivia's asked a good question because... I mean, we, you know, obviously talking about it today. But yeah, we've had a lot of people take advantage of the £10 discount, uh, £10 discount, £10 deposit um, and the £300 discount as well that some people have taken up on, on new trips they're booking. Um, so, yeah, it is the last day today. Um, you know, obviously we were going to, you beat me to it, Olivia. Uh, but, yeah, it is the last day today. So if you're keen to, to get on a trip with us, um, you know, take advantage of the £10 deposit, you know, kind of no-brainer if you're looking to book onto a trip. Um, as I said before, we're super flexible. But um, that's what we're here for. Any any questions, anything that's putting you off at all from joining us on a trip? I mean, if you want to do it, you know, we'd love to, to help you get there. That's what we're here for. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's the last day. So if you are watching, keen to get on a new trip with us, um, you know, yeah, put that tenner down and get yourself on a trip. Um, let's have a look then. What else we got, Dave? So I know it's Jackie, Jackie Bally has asked again, um, yeah. are we... Hang on, so two seconds. I've lost it. I've lost it. I've lost it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because you know they come in and then they disappear. Know, they disappear. So, are we met by one of your guys on the trek, or are we met? Yeah, by we answered that one. <laughs> We've done that one, haven't we? We did that one. Yeah, but it's all right. Yeah, you can you can talk about it again, Dave. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're actually really passionate about using the local. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. No, no. It's been some good questions on here. I'm just going through because obviously, if there's any questions that we have missed um we'll go through and you know make it but i think that's coming towards the end now but yeah with with killy it's a fantastic trip any um you know any trip you're looking at high altitude you know we'd love to have you with us you know we're here to answer any questions um that's why we, we keep doing this every week and we will continue to because it's great i mean we get some we get some really good um participation so yeah i really appreciate you guys for joining us yeah um you know i think olivia yeah you mentioned there about using the discount so if you are keen to come on a trip with us, definitely get yourself in. Um, if there's anything putting you off or stopping you from doing that, just reach out to me and the team. Um, yeah. You know, obviously we're, we're here in the office today um, and some of our staff are uh, working from home. 
Before we do go, though, I know Olivia has dropped in another question. Let's have a look. Do you share tents or have separate ones? Dave? Um, well, uh, we normally share. So we, we, if you book onto the trip and you don't say anything otherwise, you're going to be sharing a tent. Yeah. So what we always try and do is, um, you know, we put the boys with the boys and the girls with the girls. So everyone feels a little bit more comfortable. Um, and that's the way it works. If there's an odd number, then obviously someone's going to get their own tent. Um, so that person's going to be lucky. If you want your own tent, no matter what, um, yes, you can. You can have, there's a single supplement option. I think it's £150 extra. Um, and basically that covers the cost of the additional porter and the additional tent and mat and stuff like that. That's all going to be carried for you. So, yeah, for £150, you can definitely have your own tent. Um, it, ca it can help with like, you know, if you're really bothered by snoring, although those tents are so thin, you can hear each other's thoughts through the wall. <laughs> are you going to so, say that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you are, if you'd feel comfortable on your own, then you can be on your own. To be honest as well, I often think that I love the idea of having my own room and my own tent, but I, when I'm out there, I actually am usually quite glad that I'm sharing with someone because it means that someone's there with you. So if you wake up in the night and you're not very well or anything like that, you can just sort of elbow them and say, you know, give me a hand or something like that. Yeah. And it's nice to have a little bit of company and stuff like that and someone to help you out. Um, yeah. yeah, important, isn't it? Because, you know, it's, it's almost peace of mind as well, having someone else with you, um, you know, just in case you have a bad night or you're not feeling very well. It's nice to have someone there. And especially if you're going on your own, you know, it's nice to sort of connect with someone in the group. Yeah. Um, you know, become friends. I mean, that's part of the, you know, going on a, on a trip. But yeah. As Dave said, you know, obviously we, we try and put the, the guys with the guys and the, and the, the ladies with the, with the ladies. But if you're like a couple, obviously you can share anything, friends, you know, um, we're not, um, you know, quite open. Uh, you know, you just you just let us know what, what's good for you. And we're always trying to accommodate it. Um, typically, as we're about to leave, there's about several questions coming now. So we can't leave these. No, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, let's have a little look. What have we got here? Uh, John Newman. John, great to hear from you, mate. Um, ask around schools who take toys, done as a group. Um, yeah, in Killy. Um, yeah, you can. I mean, the school isn't that far away. There's a couple of schools we visit in Killy and Moshi. You can actually take some stuff. Um, sometimes in terms of toys, I mean, they'll, they'll never say no, but sometimes it's good to have something they can use, um, especially if you go into a school. So if you have some sort of like pencils or pens, coloring books, something that they can actually do rather than just a toy. I mean, obviously it all helps, but I know that when we've gone to the schools, they love the toys, but I know the teachers really love the, the, the equipment they can use for schooling. Yeah. So yeah, mate, um, look, awesome that you're thinking ahead um, and done that. And yeah, we, we normally do it as a group, but if you wanted to go on your own, it's not a problem. Um, you know, it's not far. We can get one of our staff to sort of take you there, but so, you know, we, we generally do it as a group. Yeah, excellent. So uh, a couple of quick questions I can answer quickly. Paul Meech yeah. has asked, uh, can you be separate on EBC? <laughs> Fortunately not. Um, so the issue with, uh, on Kilimanjaro we can do it because there's essentially no yeah. limit to the amount of tents we can bring. On Everest Base Camp, you can have your own room in Kathmandu, but there's only a finite amount of spaces in each lodge. Um, mm. So if someone has a room to their self, it takes up a valuable space that someone else is going to need. So unfortunately, um, it's not possible on every space camp. Um, yeah, it, used to be. it used to be, didn't it? But it's, it's become definitely it's, it's become more popular the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's become harder and harder to offer that 100 percent, which is why we're like, obviously, we'll try and accommodate it sometimes if it's available. But, yeah, it's just um, sometimes with the uh, they are building extra accommodation, but it's, um, there's only so many spaces there. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, reach out to us if it's, it's a big issue. But 
um, you know, because we could potentially bring a tent or something. You know, we could work something out. But generally, yeah, it's uh, it's not really possible, unfortunately, anymore. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and I love that. So I have to say this, £10 deposits. I know, Diane, we are working on doing Aconcagua. It's been on the agenda for so long now. If uh, if COVID hadn't happened, we would have done it already. But uh, yeah, don't worry. We'll there'll be something around that as well. Um, so we won't yeah. leave you out, Diane. Don't worry. <laughs> so um, Olivia again has said, um, you know, is yeah. there some privacy in the toilets if you've got like a condition like colitis or something like that? Yes, uh, there is. So we basically provide each group with um, two toilet tents yeah. and a little chemical toilet. Um, that's about as private as life gets on Kilimanjaro is having some canvas between you and whoever can see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, at least you've got your own toilet. You're not going to have to go into like a communal area and use the toilet. If you yeah, don't use the long drops, we, we have our own. <laughs> yeah. It, may, it makes things so much easier. And then Caroline Williams has asked, are there any poisonous animals? Good uh, question. Good question. Um, no, I know, I know of on Killy. There's, there's probably, I'm trying to think that southern nepal you've got southern snakes. Nepal, yes yes in the lowlands and stuff like that you've got snakes but nothing at high altitude you know nothing where we no. go um so no you're totally fine um you know, the only thing you need to worry about are the high altitude yetis they, they, they do drop in from time to time yeah exactly but they're, they're not poisonous um no. or very aggressive um but they can be very annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um no it's some great stuff coming here and yeah yeah um i think just just finish off what olivia was saying um just about toilets and stuff yeah we we have added um this we i don't know if we put it on the on the page because it's something new but we we've added our own toilets um you know because it, uh, when you go in from camp to camp on Killy, um it's already got toilets at each camp but yeah we we decided just to have like you said that little bit of privacy um, you know, it goes a long way. So, yeah, we do have our own. A um, bit windy, you know, if the wind's up. So uh, but you can't do anything about that. But, yeah, definitely. You get, you get your own Sorry, mate. You, I, I thought you meant like. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that one. Um, you can Sarah, see the tent billowing a lot of the time. <laughs> Sarah Dickinson's actually um, had a good uh, good question around going up in a size on your boots. Another good dog. I know, there's so many dog pics here. We, we yeah. love it. We love Olivia, uh, Sarah, sorry, you know the score. Before I can answer the question, um, I need to know name, sex, um, how much of a good dog that is, um, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's um, No, good question about your boots, though. I mean, I'd say you. it's probably best. I'm not sure if they're open right now, but if you went to somewhere like Cotswold Outdoors and got your feet measured, they could probably tell you what good boot, what good size yeah. is. I mean, I, I don't really, I wouldn't suggest going up on a size. It might be a bit too much space and that's going to rub that's going to cause you some blister action there um normally um, i mean it's, it's an old cliche isn't it you don't know until you try it on you use it but yeah sometimes that's the best way i mean it's trial and error we've taken i mean it's taken me years to find a really good boot dave i know the same with you yeah all the boots you've had now you found obviously the main old boutons you kind of literally swear by um because they fit don't they but you've got yeah. and, and it was bang on the size you normally go yeah. why buy um it, it used to be like I, I I grew up hearing that you know that when you buy boots you buy a, a set bigger largely because you wear like big thick socks and things yeah. like that. But actually things have developed now. You don't have to wear these giant like you don't need these giant big thermal socks all the time. Yeah. The boot provides the majority of the insulation. Um, yeah. So generally speaking, you should buy a boot that fits your size. So when you're buying a boot, even though I know I'm a ten and a half, I'm a ten and a half all day long. So the main little Bhutans that I bought are a 10 and a half and they fit perfectly. 
um, with or without a sock. So um, a thick sock, rather. I tend to use a medium to a thin anyway. I ne I've never needed a thick sock. Um, so, yeah, I personally think that the way things are now and with the way boots are made, you can buy a pair that fits you as per your size. Um, but always get your feet measured in the shop first. If they can't measure it, go to a different shop, get them measured, and then go back. Um, yeah. And then if they say you're a 10 and a half, then you need to try 10 and a half. You know, and then yeah. if that feels too tight, then go above or down, above or down. But yeah, always recommend trying them on first. Yeah, nice. Oh, his name's Barney. Awesome. Six years, he's pretty good. Ollie, doing <laughs> slightly more chat. Is that why Ollie doesn't get featured in the picture? Because he's, <laughs> he's a challenging one. Because he's a challenging one, yeah. Um, Olivia's asked another good question just around Atoll. Yeah, Atoll is, um, some, again, to do with flights. Uh, atoll, when you get an Atoll certificate, it protects your international flights. So any yeah, do, definitely make sure that anyone you book your flights through do get your international flights. That you do get an Atoll certificate for it because it protects you. Um, yeah, something similar. I mean, we have our own insurance, you know, that covers the company if you like. Um, but it is up to each individual customer to get their own travel insurance um, that includes like helicopter evacuation or high altitude. Most companies. Um, I mean, again, Lauren, if you're on here, uh, we've got a, an article around uh, we've written on our website on a knowledge center around different insurance companies we use. It's, it's built around Everest, but you can use it for <laughs> um, it is built for uh, you can use it any any high altitude trip. Um, yeah. So basically, if you look at a Campbell Irving, True Traveler Insurance, Big Cat, you've got a company called Dog Tag. All those, they include um, high altitude trekking insurance. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Olivia, definitely get yourself um, insured on there. I mean, it's not something you need to do like years in advance. Sometimes you get people and we've done it like the day before you travel. You know, it's. As long as you get it covered before you arrive, that's the important thing. And that's it. Yeah, great stuff. Well, look, I mean, we've gone on, what, we've done an hour. Wow, it's good. Yeah, it's a good um, Yeah, it's great. No, but look, thanks for everyone for joining us. Um, you know, great to, to see so many uh, Evertrekkers on here as well. And, like, and, you know, if you're keen to, to book on a trip with us, just reach out. Um, you know, Olivia, I know you said you're going to book. Jump on the website, um, have a look at the dates and book in. Um, but, yeah, great to, great to see you all. And, yeah, yeah we'll be back next week. Yeah. Um, as always, reach out to me and the team in the interim. And uh, until then, we'll we'll see you. Awesome. Have a good one, guys. Bye bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune in? But I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes. Trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye.